0: Thank you for joining us today at Life Point Church. We believe Sundays are an opportunity to know God. For more information, including locations, service times, and small groups, please visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. Let's jump into the message. What's up, Life Point Church? How y'all doing today? Come on now, everybody. Aren't you glad you came to church? Somebody say amen. Before we uh, create a podcast out of this message, let me give you a little context of that photo with me and Bo. Because <laughs> I don't just snuggle up a grown man on airplanes for fun, you know what I'm saying? How many of you know when you get on a plane, you walk down to the little thing, there's always pictures of people sitting on a plane like it's their lounge chair, you know what I'm saying? So as you walk on a flight, there's you know, couples sitting there, families lounging around, there's always that business guy working on a computer. And as we're getting on this flight, it was COVID, and we're the two biggest dudes on the plane and they would not let us separate. They put us in the, like behind the emergency row. It's like super snug. And I'm just gonna tell you, I don't fit on airplanes, past row, the exit row. I just don't, I literally don't. And he doesn't either. Well, so he's stuck on, I said, you're sitting on a window, brother, I'm. <laughs> so anyway, all those photos, I was like, let's recreate one of those photos. Yeah, we had sent it to our wives, so there we go. It was funny in the moment, but it was awkward just now. So. <laughs> If anyone's looking for a tall employee, Bo is available today. (laughs) He's on the market, as of right now, anyway. (laughs) I do love getting to do life with Bo and Rachel and their kids, man, they're a lot of fun. We laugh a lot, and I am taller than him. Anyway, let's start the recording. Hey, welcome to LifePoint Church, everybody. How y'all doing today? Aren't you glad you came to church so far, everybody? Today, uh, I want to say welcome to everyone who's here for the very first time. My name is Mike Burnett. I get to serve as pastor along with my wife and our team. And welcome to everyone online. We've got folks joining all over the place. Over 2,000 people a weekend just sit on screens and watch us somewhere around the world. So thank you for that. We're praying for growth on our online campus, also at our Austin Peace State University campus. Come on, everybody. Let's say hello to our whole church family and to all of our guests today. Well, we are honored to serve you and I've been asking for a month now for every one of you guys to pray about joining us at our Austin P. State University campus, especially if you're in town at home watching on a screen. Uh, we are ready for you to jump into a campus and serve and get it connected. And so we'd love for you to join us at our Austin P. campus. Our goal is to break 500 this year over at that location. Same service, same worship, same sermon. It is a great option for us. Plus we wanna really invade the university campus for Jesus. Can I hear an amen, everybody? As always, thank you so much for being a generous church. Let me just say this quickly to you. We're a church that believes in and practices tithing, bringing our tithe to the Lord, and we do that through our local church, throughout the Bible, God's people provide for ministry to others through God's house. And we do that by bringing a percentage of our income. In fact, in the Old Testament, they brought multiple tithes up to 25 to 30% of their crops and income and all of that. But we, we just believe that we begin generosity through our local church by bringing our first 10% to God. And I just wanna encourage you if this is your home church that you would obey God and trust the Lord in this area of your life in tithing. We've had many families that have shared stories over the years of how God has blessed them and they've grown in their generosity and and God's blessing on their life as they have obeyed the Lord in tithing. Let me tell you something, we don't give to get anything from God. We give out of obedience to the Lord, but I just want you to know, you can trust the promise of God. In Malachi 3, God says, see if I don't bless, take care of all your needs and bless you in such a way. So, uh, Also, I wanna let you know that you're giving through 21 Days of Fasting and Prayer. We partnered with Convoy of Hope. I'm excited this week. I'll be speaking for... Uh, some of their chapel services this week in Springfield, and I'm delivering a check from you for $104,500. So thank you for your generosity to clean water. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for that. You're gonna provide irrigation systems, water filters, and even dig wells in sub-Saharan Africa, and that'll be happening because of your generosity. Thank you so much. I don't know if you realize this, for about ten dollars to $15,000, we can dig a well in places where there's literally no water and they'll have water for generations to come. So thank you for your giving for that. It makes a huge difference. All right, today I'm excited to start, oh, if you haven't given to that Clean Water Initiative, you can still do that on our website at lifepointchurch.tv. Go to our giving page and we'll leave that link open for the Water Initiative for just a couple more days for those of you that are ready to do that now. I'm excited for our brand new series called Words of Wisdom. Since you brought your Bible, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 13. This is a four week series looking at challenging passages from the book of Proverbs. Everybody say Proverbs. I love the book of Proverbs for a lot of reasons, but I love the wisdom and the challenging passages found in this book. It's kind of in the middle of your Bible. Today's sermon is gonna be super duper practical and super simple. In fact, it's gonna be one of those messages that you hear going, of course I believe that. And then you're gonna go, why in the world didn't I think this way since I was 7, 11 years old? Like, you're gonna go, why in the world have I not said this more? Before we get into that, uh, I wanna offer you a a little discipleship challenge as we start this series. Pastor Bo and I were talking this week in our sermon prep meeting. Just, he reminded me how the book of Proverbs is a great book for daily devotion. Uh, Specifically, you probably know this, but there are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, and a lot of people like to incorporate this into their daily devotional life, and they call it the proverb of the day. So whatever the date of the month is, you would read that number of Proverbs. So today's February 4th, so you would read Proverbs 4. Next Sunday's February 11th, you'd read Proverbs 11. So um, obviously every month of the year has 30 or 31 days except this month, which is leap year, everybody. Come on, you know, you get a free day and you don't even have to go to work that day. So good, good for you. I don't think that's how it works, but whatever. You don't have to pay any bills. All meals are free at restaurants and you don't even have to go to work. Um, just kidding, go to work. Anyway, let me challenge you, in addition to whatever your current Bible reading plan and devotion is, let's incorporate the proverb of the day into our personal daily rhythm. If you have a morning routine, maybe at lunchtime, you'll read the proverb of the day. It takes you less than five minutes. And here's what I think. If we'll do that this year as a church, can you imagine how much we will collectively grow in just wisdom and understanding of how to walk with God and serve the Lord? So let's try that this year. Just, there's a random challenge for 2024. Talk about the proverb of the day with your family, with your kids. I told my wife the other night, we were laying down getting ready to go to bed. And I said, hey, let's read Proverbs chapter two together and just unpacked it, talked about it and then went to bed. I mean, just incorporate the proverb of the day and let's try that this year. I think it'll be fun, all right. I'm starting a new series I've called uh, Words of Wisdom, and today's message is called Walk This Way. I should have had theme song by Aerosmith and Run DMC version. That's the best version. Come on, everybody. Since you brought your Bible, again, turn with me to Proverb 13, and I just wanna read the text. I'm gonna let it sit in the air for a minute. I'm gonna read it in two versions. I've got a third translation later uh, for the closing of the sermon, but I just wanna read this text to you. And, and let's just see how it lands and talk it out together. First of all, it's Proverbs 13, verse 20. In the ESV, it says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. Isn't that good news, everybody? How about the rest of you? Isn't that good news, everybody? Amen. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. My, my, my. How many of y'all needed this when you were Eight. Let me read it to you in the New Living Translation. It says, walk with the wise and become wise, associate with fools and get in trouble. Now, I love this passage. Actually, I love this passage for many reasons. I reference it a lot. The first reason I love this passage is I'm a dad. Can every parent in the house say yes to my children need to learn this verse? Come on, somebody. This is a passage that every parent needs to teach to their kids. You need to write it down, put it on the mirror and lipstick or whatever. I don't care, I told her early in the first service, let, them, let your kids write it in Sharpie. And my, my nine-year-old was sitting there and got out a pen and started writing it. My wife was like, he was kidding, stop. Anyway, this is a verse we need to learn as fast as possible and quote it often. I've also, the reason I love this verse is I've been a pastor of human beings for 23 years. And I've watched this passage play out over and over and over again in the lives of thousands of people in the many years that Stephanie and I have been pastoring. There's a quote I've heard years ago and it says, you are the average or the sum total of the five people you spend the most time with. Here's what I want you to do just as a quick exercise. Just write down the five loudest influences in your life. Just write down the five people that you're closest to and that have the most influence in your life. While I'm I'm talking, write those down. The quote says, you are the sum total or the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Author and researcher David Burkus suggests that that statement is not necessarily true because you're actually the sum total or the average of more than five people closest to you. You're the average of a large net of influences in your life. Think about that, your life is the average of the stack of people who have influence over you. It could be parents, friends, bosses, celebrities, athletes you admire, influencers on social media, uh, entertainers, coworkers. And these influences can be good or bad and the, the, the heart behind this proverb is to evaluate the influences of your life. Walk with the wise, you'll become wise. The companion of fools suffers harm. I've heard it said and I've even preached it before, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Like just think again about the five to 10 people that influence your life the most, that you spend the most time with. Who are the top five texting conversations? If you wanna evaluate that even more directly, look at your text threads and who have you pinned to the top? That's a good place to start. Who do you listen to the most? What podcasts, or what books, or what artists are you constantly consuming their influence over your life? Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. I'm actually a huge believer of that sentiment. I don't just believe we're, I I just don't believe we are to do life alone, and I also don't believe that most of us can escape the power of the influence of the people around us. How many of you, as you get older, someone says, you are just like your dad? You are just like your mama, right? That's the power of influence over our lives. We just, we don't, we don't naturally, like we don't even think about this stuff, but it just comes out in us often. Positive or negative, people have influence on you. And a lot of people have a lot of influence on you. Write this down. I think this is actually part of our walk with Jesus. Ready? We should consider who we are walking with as we are walking with Jesus. Let me say that one more time. As followers of Christ, We should consider who we are walking with as we are walking with Jesus. Now, whenever I preach a message about checking your friends and eliminating bad influences, inevitably, people will email, text, or catch me in the lobby and say, well, I thought we're supposed to be salt and light in the world, and we're supposed to reach people far from God, and why would you challenge me to get bad influences out of my life? I'll deal with that at the end of this message, I promise. But I am... Challenging everyone in this room, everyone watching us online or, or listening by podcast to evaluate the people that are in your life because we should consider who we're walking with as we are walking with Jesus. Let's look at Proverbs thirteen twenty again and let's just kinda unpack it. As we do, I want us to think of the type of people that are in our lives that are prominent voices in our lives. And this could be things, relationships, some of you can't even help, like you have a manager or a boss or a, an officer in the army that you can't really get away from and they have a lot of influence and it's having an impact on your life. How much have people, here's the question, how much have people pushed and influenced us towards a life of wisdom, blessing and obedience versus how many people have, are in our lives that are pushing us and influencing us or rather pulling us and drawing us into a life of pain problems, maybe sin? How can we make right choices about the influences around us? So let's talk through this. First of all, if you're writing notes, take this down. We must choose wisely. In fact, we must choose very wisely. The text says in Proverbs 13, 20, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. Now, I think it's an interesting opening for this two-line proverb. Let me just school you a little bit on this type of, literature that we're reading here. If you're not familiar, the book of Proverbs has a lot of what we call two-line Proverbs. The first seven or eight chapters of the book of Proverbs is a lot of long form, paragraph teaching, you know, and and, and, uh, it's Solomon wrote most of the book of Proverbs in the early part, especially, and he's writing wisdom words to his sons and his children and kind of like fatherly advice, coupled in with you know spiritual direction, and so it feels very personal. He's saying things like, listen to my word, son, and incline these to your ear, and then he'll write in long form. Once we get to around chapter nine, seven, eight, eight, eight nine, or 10, then it goes into these long proverbs of just these axioms, these two-line statements, and they're called, uh, we call them two-line proverbs or couplets, and usually the two lines are meant to either provide a massive contrast or two complementing ideas to one another. So in this case, it's a contrasting couplet where the first line sets up an idea and the second line shows the, 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 uh, the truth that's the opposite of the first line. Does that make sense, everybody? I'm kinda nerding out here, but just let me do it for a second. It, typically, the first line sets an idea and the second shows the opposite truth or it adds a, a brilliant confirmation, kind of a one-two punch if it's going in the same direction. Well, the opening line here, this is a contrasting couplet. The opening line says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. That feels really positive, right, everyone? And the second part says, but the companion of fools suffers harm. That doesn't sound really as exciting, does it? But it's equally true. Starting again with this, we gotta choose wisely. What an incredible statement. What an exciting sentiment. I I almost feel like it's a promise that we could evaluate for our lives. We should tell this to our kids. Hey, if you have great friendships, if you have wise friendships, if you're following wise counsel and wise advice, you should expect... Expect to grow in wisdom and in wise counsel and wise advice. This is true in a lot of areas of our lives actually, not just in our Christian life. How many of you know if you wanna get really strong in the gym, you should work out with really strong people? How many of you hate going to the gym? January, of course, New Year's resolution season. How many of you hate going to the gym? Uh, Just period, right, I appreciate that. Uh, When you go to the gym and it's people that are totally out of shape trying to give you advice. You ever had somebody do that? Hey bro, you know what you really should do? And they're like eating Doritos while they're talking to you. If you wanna get really strong, you should work out with really strong people. Okay, another example. If you wanna get really good at pickleball, fastest growing sport in America for people 70 and older. Anyway, <laughs> play with people who know the game. Play with people who are good at the game and challenge you to get better. I played a lot of racquetball in college and grad school. And man, I used to hate playing guys that were way better than me and faster and could hit the low corners all the time. I get so frustrated and then they would say, this is how you get better. If you if you wanna grow a large real estate portfolio, make a ton of money, hang out with winners in the real estate world. If you wanna be a great and successful parent, spend time with people whose kids are the kind of kids you want yours to be. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. Now first, we gotta understand too, what, what does it mean to be wise and what is wisdom? For many of us, we confuse wisdom with knowledge. And we think because I know some stuff, I'm wise. We think because I went to college or I got a graduate degree. How many of you know some really educated people that you go, how did you get out of bed this morning? <laughs> Anybody know some high-ranking officer? Don't raise your hand and don't point. How many of you know some high-ranking officers in the military and you go, I don't even understand how you shined a boot, man. Like you don't have nothing tracking up there. Okay, don't, don't comment any names, please, for the love of God. Wisdom and knowledge are not the same thing. We think being wise is having command of a lot of facts. I've read a lot of books, I've got all these degrees. Listen to me, wisdom is not the same as knowledge or being intelligent. Pastor Willie shared some interesting research this week. Uh, From his online research, he found wisdom and knowledge, both recurring themes in the Bible, are related but not synonymous. The dictionary defines wisdom as the ability to discern or judge what's true, right, or lasting knowledge On the other hand, is information gained through experience, reasoning, or acquaintance? Here's what he says, knowledge can exist without wisdom. I mean, if you know a lot of people that know stuff but just aren't really good at using that stuff. Knowledge can exist without wisdom, watch this, but wisdom cannot exist without knowledge. One can be knowledgeable without being wise. Here's some good examples. Knowledge is knowing how to use a gun. Wisdom is knowing when to use it, and when to keep it holstered. I had a friend, he was new to conceal and carry world, you know, and he was real confident. Guy's never had a conflict in his life. And he literally told me the story. He had just gotten a conceal and carry permit. And he go, he, we were working together. And he's like, man, I almost had to use my weapon. I was like, what happened? I'm all nervous. He said, I was at McDonald's. And the guy got really angry that his order was messed up. And he started raising his voice, and he cussed. And I told my kids, go wait in the car. (laughs) So you gonna shoot somebody over a Big Mac? (laughs) He was really agitated. Yeah, he was gonna be real agitated when you shot him. (laughs) Knowledge is, I got a weapon and a permit. Wisdom is knowing, I hope I never have to use that. Knowledge understands the light has turned red. Wisdom says, I should start applying the brakes. Knowledge sees quicksand. Wisdom walks around it. How many of you remember when you were a kid, you saw a National Geographic quicksand? It was like this mystery goo in the world in you know some other country. And I remember as a kid, I wish I could find some quicksand. I bet I could get out. Stupid. <laughs> Knowledge memorizes the 10 commandments and all these verses on your bumper stickers. Wisdom knows how to apply and obey them. Knowledge learns from God. Wisdom loves to live for God. Willie goes on to say, God wants us to have knowledge of him and what he expects of us. In order to obey him, we must have knowledge of his commands, but equally important as having knowledge is the wisdom to live that out. Knowing facts about God in the Bible is not all there is to wisdom. I talked about this in in the word of the year. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and I do what I say? The person who comes to me and hears my word. Listen, it's not enough to just hear the words of Christ. The devil knows the Bible better than all of us. But wisdom is about living that out every single day. James 1.5, it's a gift from God. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it'll be given to you. Listen, God blesses us with wisdom in order for us to glorify him with the knowledge we have of him. Okay, those are, it's an important distinction between wisdom and knowledge and what it is and what it isn't. I like to say wisdom like, here's the, my, Mike's definition of wisdom. Wisdom is knowledge on foot. Wisdom is knowledge walked out. It's not enough to know the thing, it's, it's something that we need to walk out. There's an there's a in intimation in, in the book of James that it's not, an, it's not just knowing stuff, it's, it's knowing how to live out what we know. Remember our proverb, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. So all of us should desire to grow in wisdom and understanding in our walk with God. And part of this comes by evaluating very wisely the, in, the relationships that you're currently in. Think back to the list of names that you wrote down. Who are the major influences? Who are the voices in your life? And who do you wanna do life with? In fact, for the believer, you should constantly be evaluating the relationships you're in and if they're helping you grow in godly wisdom. One of my favorite phrases I've heard for years, and I think it's funny, if you wanna soar with the eagles, you can't hang around with chickens. How many of you wanna grow in wisdom with God this year? Can like more than 12 of you decide that you wanna, how many of you wanna grow with God in wisdom this year? Well, then you need to evaluate the influences and the voices and the relationships in your life. I'll never forget, when when I gave my life to Jesus, like I had a whole collage of people that were not following Jesus. And I had to make some quick adjustments And you know what I started doing? I started immediately getting to the church and getting around people that had an understanding of God and a walk with God that looked like a walk that I wanted to have. You know, one of the biggest voices in my life, this is gonna sound really self-serving from me to say this, so just forgive this. The loudest voice in my life almost instantly became my pastor. My youth pastor, in fact, Greg Harper, who's still, like he's 30, 20 years later, he's, he listens to our services now. I'm his pastor, it's crazy. But one of the loudest voices in my life right away became my youth pastor. I'm telling you, if you wanna soar with eagles, you can't hang around chickens. It's such a good and true statement. So if we wanna grow in wisdom, first thing we have to do is evaluate the relationships in our life. If you wanna grow to be wise, hang with those who are wise because that's the promise. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. Now, here's the other side of this. We gotta avoid the pain of foolish people in our lives. So remember the second half of this verse, Proverbs 13, 20. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. Now, it's interesting. This is not a mirrored proverb. A mirrored proverb would say, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. Whoever walks with fools becomes a fool. You hear the parallel there? That's not what the proverb says. He says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, that's your benefit, that's your growth. Whoever walks with fools suffers the harm of fools. Here's what it doesn't say, that you're gonna become a fool. How many of you know some really smart, really educated, really wise people get into some bad relationships and it costs them everything, but they're still really smart and they're still really wise. And you go, wow, man, how did you get to this place? And it's not because their brains just dumped out all their wisdom, it's because of the companions and the relationships of foolish people and now they're suffering harm. In the first half of this proverb, the person who walks with the wise gets better. In the second part, the companion of fools doesn't become a fool. I want you to understand this. You're not gonna become foolish, but you will suffer the harm of foolish people. You won't become foolish, but your life will become more painful. There's a New Testament passage written by the Apostle Paul. Now, if you're not familiar with the New Testament, the Apostle Paul was a a late convert to Christ after his death and resurrection. He became an apostolic figure, a spiritual father to many church plants, and he wrote two thirds of the New Testament. And the Apostle Paul writes this very similar sentiment in 1 Corinthians 15 as a warning. He actually, borrows this quote, Paul is such a brilliant uh, academic and also a brilliant wise use of like social constructed language. He borrowed from a Greek comedy, a play uh, called Face. Anyway, don't worry about what that is. Um, but he, he, he says it like this in First Corinthians 15, 33. He says, do not be deceived. And then he quotes from this Greek comedy. Bad company ruins good morals. Another, in the, if you have the NIV version, it says, bad company corrupts good character. Isn't it interesting that the apostle Paul starts by saying, do not be deceived. Why would he say don't be deceived? Because we lie to ourselves about this. How many of us think we're the exception to all of the rules of God's word? Anybody else besides my wife? Like how many of us think (laughs) we are the exception to all of God, I'm just making sure you're awake. How many of us think we're the exception? Hey, here's what it looks like. Man, I know that I should be careful of the friends, but we've been friends since middle school, bro. We've been ride or die since before we could even drive, yo. How many of us think we're the exception when we go, I know I've got a wife and kids at home, but I can handle that friendship with her at work. Man, I know I've got some issues going on in my marriage with my husband, but man, that guy at work, he's so kind and we're just friends and I can handle this. Look, I'm stronger than my feelings. What's Paul say? Don't be deceived. And guess who's lying to us most of all about our unhealthy relationships? We are, we are. The people that are foolish people in your lives are not the ones trying to lie to you about it. It's you lying to yourself that you can handle these relationships. When I was a youth pastor, I remember telling students, I'd say, look, I get it, you got friends, and we have this attitude I gotta reach people far from God, how am I gonna reach people if I'm not around lost people and unchristians? We'll get to that in a moment. Have you ever put a lawn mower out in the rain, out in the weather for days at a time? Like I grew up, we, we were terrible with taking care of stuff, so if I just didn't feel like pushing it back into the shed, I didn't. How many of you know you leave a mower out in the weather, it becomes rusted? Rust always overtakes metal. Watch this, metal never reclaims the rust. And the truth is, unwise, unhealthy relationships will ultimately and over time corrupt you. And here's what it looks like, compromise, we shift our values and beliefs because you know one of the greatest theological uh, influences on your life is I have a friend who, and that's that deception. We say things like, I know the Bible says blank, blank, blank about let's say marriage and fidelity, but, but I have a friend who, man, you just don't know their story. I know what the Bible says about debt and borrowing and tithing, but I got a friend who, Paul's saying, don't be deceived. Your company will change you and bad company will corrupt you. I'm telling you, listen, as a, as a parent, as a pastor, I've just seen this play out so many times. I've watched young people on fire for God, man, just wanting more of God, getting a bad dating relationship with someone who's not as equally passionate about the things of God. Pretty soon they compromise their purity, Compromise their integrity, the things that they said. Man, I'll I'll stand for God on. They they pull away from their church, their youth ministry, their young adult college ministry. I've just watched it over and over and over again, and very often it comes back to the relationship that we lie to ourselves and we go, but I can handle it. I'm stronger than that. I've done some jail ministry before. I've done a lot of uh, ministry with Hope Center guys, and man, I'm just telling you. I I can't remember any time that somebody that's had a lot of trouble and a lot of issues just did it all on their own with no influence. Don't be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. We have to be wise in our relationships. Parents, look at me. Parents, look at me, not the screen me, real me. Parents, you must guard the friendships and relationships of your kids. They don't want you to, they need you to. You need to guard the influence of Netflix, Disney Plus, Amazon Prime. You need to influence the music. You need to guard the music that they're listening to. Please limit screen time. Like you are the gatekeeper, the guardian, the protector of the influences of your house. Your kids will fight you, but I'm telling you it's a fight worth fighting. Don't just, don't just let the first boy or girl that comes around trying to spit game and whatever. No, no, look. A pastor friend of mine recently said this, and young adults, listen, single young adults, you're single again, listen to this. A pastor friend of mine shared this recently. He said one of the signs of a healthy relationship is that when you get involved with somebody, they wanna enter into your world and your family. An unhealthy relationship is when someone wants to pull you out of your world and your family. Hey, if you got a boyfriend that has pulled you away from your family of origin and your siblings and all the people that are good for you, you need to check that relationship real quick. Put it on pause, put it out the door for a little while and let godly wisdom speak into that relationship. But I'm I'm gonna tell you what, Like, I I remember when I started dating Stephanie and even now to the point, I can't wait to be around her family. She's entered into my family. My father-in-law said, I didn't, my wife, my daughter didn't just get a husband, I got another son. That's healthy relationships. And I'm just telling you like parents, Guard, guard, guard your children. And you'll, you'll get to a point where it's like, it's not worth the fight. It's, it's just so much headache and I'm tired of the conflict. But I'm telling you, as long as they're under your care, it's the right fight to guard and protect. Husbands, I want every man that's a husband to look in here and look at me. You are the guardian of this in your home. You need to guard your wife. You need to guard your children. You need to guard your own life because the companion of fools for you and your wife for your kids will suffer Harm, step up, grow a spine, man up and lead. This is very important. Paul's warning is don't be deceived because we lie to ourselves. Recently, a good friend of mine, Pastor Josh Howerton, he pastors Lake Point Church in Dallas, Texas. He shared a poll on his Facebook and he asked simply the question. He said, hey, tell me about a time you made some of your biggest mistakes. I thought it was a funny question because people's name and profile is on their response. But anyway, There were some funny replies. Over and over, though, the people responded. It was things like, one guy, this was hilarious, he said, I got around the wrong crowd, and before I knew it, I was an Alabama football fan. I was like, that's terrible, that is ungodly. Man, Jesus, help that person. (laughs) As for Pastor Willie, I just had to do that. (laughs) Seriously, y'all need to get saved. Um, Funny replies, listen, over and over, And, and the people responded so often with major, regrets. In fact, it was interesting. Most people didn't say the most stressful and hard and difficult times. Very, very seldom was it like, I just decided to go rogue and go my own way. Almost every time it was the result of peer pressure friend groups, bad dating relationships, unhealthy relationships. There were confessions of people distancing from family because of a bad boyfriend or girlfriend, giving up their virginity, lots of drugs, heavy drinking. All of it started in their early teen years and almost every time was the result of peer pressure in middle and high school. Even the smallest bad influence, the one-on-one. Did you know, like affairs always come around because somebody else got more influence in your life than your spouse. It's, it's always the case. The companion of fools suffer harm. People confessing to crimes and crimes as accomplices. My brothers and I were all sorts of crazy uh, as young, serious, and teenagers. We were not really raised in a Christian home. We were raised in the South. We respected God, didn't live for God. We got in trouble a lot. I was suspended every year of middle school and like three times in high school. Um, I was actually friends with the in-school suspension guy. Anyway. I got spanked every year in school until the state of Tennessee no longer allowed you to spank kids. And then I had a principal say, I wish to God I could do it one more time on you. I couldn't believe, and then I flexed on him. I was like, yeah, but you can't, son. And then he threw me an in-school suspension. <laughs> that's true. Um, but there was a stretch of thievery in our lives, and I'm not proud of this at all, uh, but we, we stole a lot. Part of that's just being poor and broke, and no, uh, you know, we thought that we just couldn't get stuff any other way. But there was a time where my brothers and I, we just stole all the time. And mostly my oldest brother and me, my middle brother, um, who's now an attorney, ironically, he. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm a pastor and look, as bad as my life is, people like me turn into preachers. So hey, there's hope for you and your kids too. So. One time, my older brothers, we all got caught shoplifting in the same week, Kenny and Brad on Tuesday and me on Friday, and my oldest two brothers, uh, we would walk to department stores and Kmart, and Walmart, whatever, and we had gone to Walmart, or my older brothers had gone to Kmart to steal. Now, my oldest brother was stealing cassette tapes of like, you know, uh, Pearl Jam and old 80s, 90s bands and stuff, and he would steal posters, like tubes, and the way he'd steal them is he'd flatten them and wear them out as a belt, which is crazy because then you end up with this creased poster on your wall Whatever, but he liked them. So he had like 20 of them on his wall. It was pretty crazy. So one time my brothers went to Kmart and Brad just said, hey, I'm just gonna go with you. I'm not taking anything. I don't need anything. And he's just playing Super Nintendo which had just come out. You remember back in the day, they'd have the game systems up and you can try them. And so Brad's playing Super NES and Kenny taps him. He's like, come on, let's go. And as they walk out the store, security and a police officer are standing there and they popped them both. And Brad said, I didn't take anything. And the cop said to him, yeah, but you're with him. So you're an accomplice. And so listen to this. So then I got caught shoplifting Friday. It was just food because I was chubby. And then um, we ended up going, that's true. We ended up going to uh, court. All three of us, my mom had three boys, single mom, worked two jobs. And she took us to court in Johnson City to see Judge Shirley Underwood. I'll never forget all the days of my life, this lady. And she was known as a tough, no-nonsense court judge. But for whatever reason, she had compassion on my mom. She's like, oh, Miss Burnett, I'm so sorry that you're in this situation. My mom said, I ain't sorry. She said, I'm a single mom, I work two jobs and these boys ain't got a dad in the house. She said, you're the dad today. She said, you do everything that the law allows to happen to my boys, you do it all to them. And we looked at her like, you crazy? (laughs) And she looked back at us, she was like, nope, my boys will never steal again. That was good parenting, but I'm telling you, like, we all suffered harm because of the stupid stuff we were doing together. It was a long year, everybody. (laughs) Pastor Jere, our student pastor, shared with me this week. By the way, if you've not been bringing your kids to student ministry, you need to get them to student ministry, our small groups here, sixth through 12th grade, our young adult ministry on Tuesday nights, it's all small group space. And listen, we had hundreds and hundreds of kids here this Wednesday night. Your kid doesn't need another dance lesson, another volleyball practice. They can practice six other days a week, five other days a week. Get them to church on Sunday. Get them to student ministry on Wednesday night. I promise you, it's, it's walking with wise people. Get them under Pastor Jure and their team. There's a blessing. Anyway, he was talking about the average age of first-time use of drugs, porn, and alcohol is now lower to the age of 13. And almost every time, it's introduced by a friend. The one who walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. Isn't it interesting too that they say there's no honor among thieves? Well, there's no honor among foolish friends either. You ever notice once you get popped for something, they just aren't around anymore? I talked with a young guy recently who had gotten in some trouble with drugs and overdosed and I'm in the hospital room talking to him I said, by the way, where are any of your friends? He goes, man, I ain't heard from any of them. And you know, standing over him in his room was his pastor. I said, come on, man, let's get you in the Hope Center. Let's get you in a place to find freedom. Romans 12 says, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, and that's gonna be through the companion of wise people. Listen, we're gonna, we're gonna learn to know God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we need to walk with the wise, grow in wisdom and closeness with God, and we need to move away from foolishness, immaturity, sin, etc. cetera. Part of walking with Jesus is walking with the right people as we walk with Jesus. So let me give you some real practical takeaways. How do we Walk this way. This is the challenge with a message like this. How many of you hear a sermon and a text and you go, amen, I believe that, but then you go, man, this is really hard to do, right? Like I agree with what the verse says, but I got some adjustments in my life and I don't know that I wanna go make those hard right turns and hard adjustments. Listen, we have to be people who make the right moves to walk this way with the Lord. This is where the rubber meets the roll. The Bible road, the Bible indicates to us in, in James, it's not enough to do, to know to do right, but it's to commit to doing the right thing. So remember the word I felt the Lord gave us earlier this year for the year. If we call him Lord, Lord, then we're to do what he tells us. And here he's telling us to walk with the wise, to become wise, and to Uh, Eliminate relationships with the foolish. So let me give you like four thoughts on how to walk with the wise and three thoughts on how to avoid the pain of foolish people. First thing to walk with the wise, fully devote your life to Jesus Christ. Can I tell you something? The wisest and truest one to ever walk the planet is Jesus Christ. Build a life in prayer, build a life in God's word. Study and devote yourself for the next year to the gospels of Jesus. Get to know Christ, worship him fast, delight in him. Psalm 37, 4 says, if you delight yourself in the Lord, that means like fall in love with his presence, he will give you desires in your heart and then he'll fulfill the desires that he put in you. Proverbs nine ten says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You can't even claim to be wise if you don't also fear God. The Bible actually says the fool says there is no God. All these super smart academics who are blatant atheists are actually declared fools by God. They are not the major influences of our lives. The beginning of wisdom is to fear God. That doesn't mean be afraid of him, it means to revere and awe and love and know God. If you wanna walk with wise, first walk is with Jesus. First Corinthians 1.30 says, because of God you are in Christ, who he became to us wisdom from God. If you wanna know wisdom of God, know Jesus Christ. Second, commit to his church. Man, if you wanna grow in wisdom with God, you gotta get in wisdom with God's family. Everybody on earth needs a pastor, a house of worship, a place for prophetic preaching and a family of believers. How many of you know, none of us in this room are perfect, but at least we're all heading in the same direction to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Can I hear an amen, everybody? Commit to God's church, go every Sunday. Even if you gotta miss, get in online or find a church in town where you're vacationing. Never skip being a part of the family of God, which brings me to the best thing we do, join a small group. I wanna encourage you to be in a group of people ahead of you in life. If you need help in parenting, Please don't just yell at your kids more. That has not worked yet. Get into a group with parents who have kids that look like the kids you wanna have, that that are still calm and love Jesus, and their families go, how in the world do you do this? Because I feel like a total zombie with my children, right? Like, get into a group. If you need financial help, we wanna help you. In fact, tomorrow we are launching Financial Peace University. If you need wisdom and money and tithing and budgeting and all that, get into a small group. If you need help with how to be a blended family, you're trying to do this step family thing, but it's constant chaos and pain and all kinds of argument. Join our blended family small group. Listen, we have groups for all kinds of things and we wanna encourage you. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, iron sharpens iron and one person sharpens another person. We need each other for accountability, discipleship, and for wisdom. Then I wanna, and I wanna challenge every one of you to invite a mentor into your life. A mentor is a person Like a coach is someone who sees in you the things and calls out the things that you're good at. A mentor says, here's the stuff you're terrible at and here's a better road to take. I have mentors, I have one mentor in particular, Pastor Rod Loy, who's one of our overseers. You need to invite them into your life and then choose to submit to their leadership. You can't have a mentor that you're arguing with all the time. Hey, would you mentor me on this? Would you coach me on this? And then they give you some advice and you go, I don't think, no, that's not gonna, you're deceiving yourself. My pastor would tell you, Pastor Rod, my mentor would tell you that I listen to him, I'm humble with him. I've never told him no to something that he's given me direction on, never. If you wanna walk with the wise, if you wanna fly with the eagles, you gotta get away from some chickens. Can I hear an amen, everybody? These are some really practical steps. And you go, well, that's all about the church. Yes, the body of Christ is the kingdom of God displayed on the earth. You should, like, the loudest voices in the life of a Christ follower should be other Christ followers, Last thing I wanna tell you is this, is how to avoid the pain of fools. It's gonna feel real practical and I'm gonna push and chew on you a little bit. So just take it, say, I can take it. First thing you need to do is avoid the, the pain of foolishness that comes with unrepentant sin, secret sin, unconfessed sin. Can I tell you something? Very often we're the biggest fool in our lives. And when we walk in unrepentant sin, we go, I know the Bible says, but I'm gonna do it anyway." I'm gonna live a sexually immoral life. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay in a, I'm gonna live in a gambling lifestyle. I'm gonna stay in a drug addicted or alcohol addicted. I'm gonna stay watching pornography. I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep these patterns of just what I've done my whole life because it's what my daddy did, it's what my mama did, or it's just how I feel. Can I tell you something? For many of us, the loudest fool is our sin nature. And I wanna challenge you, church, to repent of sin and sinful influences. Jesus said in Luke eight seventeen. What's done in secret will be brought to light. One of the greatest gifts God gives us is exposure to our sin. The greatest foolishness is to live in unrepentant, unconfessed sin. I wanna also challenge you with this. Be very careful. My pastor, Chris Hodges, says, I am very guarded about the amount of secular I allow into my life. Secular meaning not of the church, not sacred, right? Listen, I need you to be accountable to the Holy Spirit over the sinful influences of our lives. Ungodly influences, I'm talking about ungodly. Music, TV shows, news outlets, social media, movies, podcasts, dirty books. Do you know how subtle the enemy tries to use every kind of opportunity to deceive us and to walk us into foolishness? Some people say, I, like, I'm really guarded with secular music, even in our home. And, and people say, I don't, I, don't, I don't listen to the words, I just like the beat. I'm like, well, why are you singing all the words to me? I never hear anybody walking around beating Taylor Swift, you know, like just popping the beat to Taylor Swift. They're always singing the lyrics about stuff that's just a little in the gray and a little shady about just lyrics to stuff, and and we quote movies, and we quote characters, and I'm just telling you, you need to be very guarded and wise to repent of sin and sinful influences. Be mindful of what you watch on Netflix and Amazon Prime and Disney Plus, and other influences for your eyes, ears, and your soul. Second thing is you gotta purge your life of toxic relationships. Now some people again ask, what am I supposed to do with these non-Christians in my life? I thought we're supposed to be a witness. Here's what you do, you ready? I'm not telling you to go break up with everybody in your life. My pastor said I can't be your friend anymore, so I I hate you forever, you're out of my life, mom. (laughs) But what you have to do is change their category in your life you are no longer a primary influence in my life. You are a person on my prayer list. You're a person that's become an invitee to my church and to my small group. I love you in the Lord. I'm so thankful for our friendship. I cherish the memories we have together, but I cannot have you as a primary voice in my life, but I am gonna have a primary prayer life for you, and I'm gonna invite you to follow Christ with me. Y'all hear what I'm saying? We need to purge toxic relationships. Look, if you got a little boo on the side, You got a little bro on the side that you're hollering at, you need to purge that today, delete them, block them, tell them I'm never talking to you again. I'm not hating you, but I gotta stop lying to me and deceiving myself, because this company will corrupt me. And the third thing, and I'm gonna chew on you, and the last thing, and we're gonna close. Parents, parent your kids. You are the gatekeeper and the guardian of the influences of your children. I don't care that they fight you. I know it's a nerve wracking fight. It is exhausting. I'm telling you it's worth it. Did you know God has fought for your soul to the very end and you need to fight for the souls of your children to the very end. Parents, you're the leaders of your home. You are the safeguard of their influences. Listen, you absolutely must be the one. Grandparents, some of you guys need to step in here and guard the unhealthy relationships. Tell them to turn that garbage off on their phones. Tell them to turn that stuff off on our TV. We're not watching at my house. We gonna serve Jesus in here. We're not serving these cultural influences. And listen, he might be a nice kid to her, but he may not be the right kid to her. He might be a good, she might be a good girl to him, but she may not be the right girl for him. I'm telling you, you've got to guard your home and guard the influences of your house. The way the Message Bible reads it, and I'll close, become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, this feels so simple, but it feels so hard at the same time. God, I pray that every one of us would consider who we're walking with as we're walking with Jesus. Lord, would you give us the boldness and the courage to make right decisions about the relationships in our life. God, we're not trying to shame anybody. We're not trying to ostracize anybody. We're not trying to hate on anybody. God, we are trying to guard well the influences of our lives because walking with Jesus is important as we, as we walk with people who help us walk with Jesus. So Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for the wisdom of God to make right relationships, to make right decisions about our friends. And as we walk with the wise, that we'll grow in wisdom and favor and discernment with God and that, Lord, we would be careful to avoid the relationships that are costing us and are charging us foolish disasters. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name that you're gonna help us as a church to trust you in this area of our lives and to do right things, put right steps in place in Jesus' name. Can everybody just pray this for me? Say, God, I've heard your word. Come on, say, I believe what I've heard, that I wanna walk in wisdom, not in foolishness. So say, Lord, give me the strength and the wisdom to evaluate appropriately the relationships in my life that I would grow closer to Jesus and not suffer the harm of fools. Give me the favor for right relationships and to say no to the wrong ones in Jesus' name. I say, God, I believe in you. You are my best friend. You're the Lord of my life. You're the first voice of influence in my whole life. I submit to Jesus, the Lord of my entire life. Say, God, I'm all in to the glory of God. I believe in you. I will follow you. I'll walk with you in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody, say amen. Amen. We're so happy that you joined us today. We hope that you've been inspired and challenged by today's message. If you'd like to grow in your walk with Jesus, stay connected, or partner with us through generosity, be sure to visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. We hope that you have a blessed week And we'll see you next Sunday.